This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Friday, June 1st, 2018. My guest is Julian Trocatu. Did I say that right, Julian? Yes, you said that right. <laughs> Damn, I got it. Yeah, I'm happy. A, you know, when you have a name in your head and you don't say it right in your head for a while, this is a bad sign. Right, yeah. So listen, let's talk about phones. You and I are phone people. You're this kind of mobile editor for Digital Trends. I used to be senior mobile editor at Engadget, and you know my show is all about phones. So, you know, I have guests sometimes that are not necessarily phone-centric, uh, and I think that makes the show more interesting, but... We have a lot to talk about. I think there's a, enough phone announcements in the last couple of weeks or phone news, like things like Essential, not making another phone, all that stuff that I want to cover on this show. And I know you'll have opinions. Let's start with the most obvious thing that's on my plate, which is the HTC U12+. Plus. You have a review unit, I presume by now. I have one. I just got it out of the box. I haven't had a chance to set it up yet. I did do a hands-on though, and I did a video. What is your take? Uh, yeah, I've been using it for about uh, four days, I think now. Um, uh, my take, okay, so it's it's a bit of a it's it's very very mixed. Um, there's a lot of things I like about it. Um, I actually like the back design, the translucent design. Uh, I'm okay with the the bezels on the front, although, you know, it does look a little dated compared to the competition, but it's not a big deal to me. Uh, I don't really care if there was a notch or if there wasn't a notch. Uh, what really sort of gets me is, or annoys me, is the the digital buttons on the side of the phone. And when they first sort of announced it... Um, and then when I first tried it out at the, the meeting I had with them, it was sort of like a, I was, you know, open to it. I was, uh, okay, I haven't seen that in a phone uh, other than, say, like an iPhone 8 or something like that. Um, so I thought I would be interested to see how it worked. And I thought it, it, it might have a chance at, you know, actually doing, presenting something really cool and new that worked really well. But over the past, say, four days, I've gotten quite annoyed at the use of digital buttons and I really do miss physical buttons now because there's a lot of uh, accidental presses. I've accidentally pressed the, well, you know, when I'm just holding the phone, I end up apparently uh, putting enough pressure on the volume down button to suddenly trigger do not disturb mode. I've accidentally put enough pressure on the power button so that the screen just suddenly goes dark. And you know how there are those edge sensors on the side of the phones where you can squeeze the phone? When I'm just holding the phone, I just start seeing these blue dots when I'm like, say, reading an article or something like that on my screen because it thinks I'm trying to or about to squeeze. So it's like all this visual things and disturbances that are happening when I'm using the phone that I feel like isn't really necessary for me and these are all additional features that are supposed to make my experience better but i feel like they're just more distracting and uh starting to get a little annoying at this point um i mean i still do like edge sense and i do like those gestures and, and i think they're a neat idea but i feel like i really might have to go back and revisit the 
the settings for how how much I have the sensitivity set to because I feel like I'm because mine's not mine's in like the medium sensitivity I think but it's it it feels still very uh, sensitive and I feel like I have to make it max. Uh, to, to, to really be able to use the phone uh, or just turn it off at, at a certain point because that's, I think, the biggest sort of letdown is that uh, I also don't know why they have the, the buttons sticking out so much if they're <laughs> digital. Like, why well, not just I think make this, it smooth? It's kind of a transition kind of phase, I guess. Look, yeah, I, that's I, what they told me too. So I bad, feel I the know. same. I feel the same, though. I, I do. First of all, I'll be honest. I never liked the squeeze feature on the U11 or U11 Lite. I haven't tried the U11 Plus, but I'm sure it's the same. I don't like it on my Pixel 2 XL. I finally turned it off because it's just driving me crazy. Like I, I would pick up the phone and trigger Google Assistant all the time when I didn't want to. And and that's, you know, honestly, now that I've lived with a G7 and a physical Google Assistant button, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind this is the way to do it. You need a Google Assistant button that's dedicated yeah. or a button combo like Siri, double click, uh, you know, whatever, right? Um, so uh, the send stuff doesn't do anything for me, but no, that's I, yeah, I was be, gonna. I'll be honest that I think the power and volume rocker thing, I'm, I have mixed feelings about. I feel that it could be done right, but it's not right now. My no. biggest gripe right now is that if the phone is turned off, and I, I turn on my phones off at night. I review a lot of phones, and I don't, you know, I don't need them on at night. Um, I usually charge them off, and and I can't tell when I've turned on that phone. Like the initial turn on, you would think it would confirm with some sort of haptic talk or something. Uh, I but, believe there should be a haptic. But I it doesn't. It doesn't some... seem to. Like it's 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 not clear to me that I've turned on the phone. Is what I'm saying. There might right. be, but I don't really know. And that bugs me. Now, while in use, as I said, I just got it out of the box. I haven't really had much of a chance to uh, to try it out. So uh, the judge, you know, I'll judge for myself. But I can understand your frustration. I don't see what the necessity is of doing this. So I asked them why they had it went with the digital buttons, and they said it helps with better waterproofing. But at the same time, it Please. has the same level of waterproofing as the Galaxy S9. So how how much better is it really? Is it like really improving anything? Like I don't care that much about water resistance in terms of if it's IP68 that's good enough for me at this point in time and I don't know if them using digital buttons really changes anything so look they gave us the same line last year with the when they removed the headphone jack right and and what well, I mean maybe it wasn't them because I don't think the U, was the U11 water resistant yeah it was yeah. I think it was them and I'm like guys uh, Galaxy S8 at the time or S7 whichever it was is water resistant with a headphone jack? That's BS. Um, so look, I'm not, I'm not very convinced about that. And physical clickable buttons just have this great feel to them. And the only company so far that has pulled off replacing a button with haptic feedback that works every time and feels right every time is Apple. Not on the phones, in my opinion, on the MacBooks with the trackpad. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I mean, I do think that even with Apple on the phone. Uh, it makes sense to make that home button touch sensitive because that isn't necessarily the same functions. Because like the power button and volume button buttons are so important to make sure they're always right and they're not like doing these. Like you always press the home button for a reason, right? So I feel like that's a little different. And the fact that they didn't use that kind of technology on those other buttons just says something about 
maybe they think it's not there yet where they can do that as well. So I just think HTC sort of might have pulled the gun a little too early on this or just didn't implement it in the right way yet. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep using the phone and see what I think. But at the moment, after, you know, four or five days of use, I'm, I am a little annoyed and it's, it's just an extra disturbance that now I suddenly have to deal with for some, for no real benefit. I hear you. Look, I wanted people to, they're listening to the podcast to understand that this is not going to be a showstopper for me. Okay. No matter what, I think I'll get used to it. And I think there's a lot of room to improve this in software to make it good. The haptic engine, what what are your thoughts on haptic engine on that phone? I think it's, it feels really good, actually. My favorite are the LGs, right? Right. By far, my favorite haptic engines are the V3 and the G7 right now. Um, other than the iPhone 10, uh, I don't know about the eight. I haven't really tried it long enough. What did, what did you say you thought about it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I do like the, I think, so they did nail the feedback that you get when you do press. That's what those. I'm talking about. The haptics. Like yeah. I do, I do really like the haptic that you get when you touch the the power button and the volume rocker button. Okay. I just think the sensitivity is the issue. Right. And, uh, Got it. But yeah, the haptics are good uh, overall. The, the phone's speed is good. You know, there's a lot of good things about this phone, and I feel like that's just because phones these days just are very good, and it's yeah. those finer details that you're really nitpicking, and, and one of them is the digital buttons. But also, I don't really like Sense UI. I think it looks a little dated in some places. But the camera is another point that I think is... Well, before we get into that, let's finish what I was going to say, which is my my point is that if the haptic engine is good, and I'm asking you because I literally got it out of the box, I've used it like, you know, I haven't even set it up yet. So I haven't really used it to be able to tell. And my point of reference right now is the iPhone 10, the V3, the G7, which I think have the, be- have the best haptics of any phone. I think the Pixel 2 XL has pretty decent haptics as well, but a little underused. So I think you're right. It's a sensitivity issue and it can be fixed in software. So there's still hope. I'm not going to knock the phone on that. Um, and and in terms of my little brief hands-on time with it, I liked, you know, I liked a lot about that phone. I don't really feel the bezels are a big deal. I mean, yeah, it's a bit last year with the uh, top and bottom 16, or sorry, 18.9 kind of vibe. When you compare it to like a, a G7 again, or like a OnePlus 6, or any modern phone that has a, I hate to say it, that has a notch, um, the screen real estate on the U12 Plus is a little on the low side compared to them, right? Like, to yeah. me, the G7 being narrow and having 19.5 by 9 aspect ratio, I really feel like that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it definitely is easier to use the G9, I think, in, in terms of a hold, holding your phone for how it feels in the hand. This one is very wide now, it feels like, compared to a lot of yeah, the Yeah, exactly, devices. right? Yet it's not wider than my Pixel 2 XL, so I, I don't really get it. I think, I think... It, there is a bit of heft to the back. Like, if you look at the thickness, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it definitely does feel heavier and thicker and more of like a chunkier phone, I think, than... Uh, than the other the G7 especially because it's because I came from the G7 straight to this one and the G7 is so light. I know it, it feels cheap sometimes because it's so light. But I, I have to give HTC credit for making the U12 Plus feel premium and heavy and and chunky yeah. and like solid, like you can drop it, nothing bad's gonna happen. And the yeah. build quality is typical HTC. And the materials are great. I've got the translucent blue one. It sounds like that's what you have as well. Yes. I do have to admit that that red one is pretty hot, like turning into gold. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, I kind of already am over. Like, I like the translucent one, but I actually now would sort of prefer the red. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's like a one-trick pony, so right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So the, this play, you know, you touched on 18.9, you know, it's fine. Like, look, there's a bit more bezel than the competition. I think it's still fine. The display looks really good. It's an it's an IPS panel, which is really surprising to me, actually. Yeah, it's surprising. Everyone's going to OLED. But uh, I mean, I honestly, I don't think I can really criticize the display because uh, just because they didn't use OLED, because I don't. I don't feel like I've had any issues using it. Um, it's good. It has good colors. I think it's sharp enough. And I do think... Uh, I think the only gripe I have is that it, it doesn't feel like it's that bright in uh, when I've been using it outdoors. Like, I feel like it could have been brighter. Well, you came from a G7, which is the brightest exactly. IPS panel and, on and planet. And to be so. honest, I think that G7 <laughs> feature where I can max out that boost, the, the boost the brightness, that's surprisingly a feature I now miss on a lot of phones because uh like when they announced it i didn't think it was that big of a deal or, or that crazy but now having used it and going to other phones when i'm you know out and about and i'm like oh it's the brightness max brightness isn't enough i i do miss the g7 and i frequently think about that yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, look, overall, I mean, you know, I didn't, you, you've got more hands on time, so I'd like your, your thoughts on this, but I had, other than the haptic stuff, sorry, the, 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 the lack of physical buttons, which was a bit of, it's still a bit of pudding. Um, I overall had no issues in my hands on with anything. I, I'm annoyed at the lack of headphone jack. I really thought that with all the feedback HTC got last year, that they would smarten up because as an underdog, they should listen to what people want. But I think they're kind of like stuck with their USonic, uh, you know, messaging. And honestly, I'm not a fan. I, I mean, I'm a fan of very high end audiophile grade headphones and earbuds and, and in-ear monitors. So that's probably where I'm coming from, which is why, you know, again, LG wins every time here. Uh, but in the past, HTC used to be such a, you know, uh, such a, it used to be at the top in terms of audio output. And now I feel that be having to use a dongle, unless I use a really good dongle, just sacrifices a whole layer of what to me made an HTC phone so good. And it pissed me off last year with the U U11 and I just really thought they would reverse that somehow. Um, I have a feeling that nobody's at switching over will ever reverse back, which I think it sucks. I think companies should be smart and listen to what people want, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, the audio thing now is something I don't really think of when I like think of HTC. It's like boom sound. Like I don't even think of boom sound. Actually, I I still have to test boom sound to see how it stacks up. But uh, yeah, G7 is now my the the one company that I'm thinking of when I go to like who has a lot of good features and and support for high high res sound and and. Uh, you know, headphones and all that stuff. And I think the LG rather than... It's interesting uh, because, you know, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, OnePlus made a fuss about the OnePlus 6 having, you know, high quality audio amp and stuff for the headphones. But honestly, it doesn't deliver. Like, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's totally fine. For, I'm talking about, like, being a bit of an audiophile here, okay? So the average person will find the performance of the OnePlus 6 uh, headphone amp and, and DAC perfectly adequate. But I feel that it's just no different than a galaxy or iphone to me which is fine again these are really decent quality sounding phones it doesn't sound bad but you know the, the lg phones at least the the ones with the quad dac have really stepped things up a notch and um i thought that maybe there was going to be a bit more to that uh with the one plus six and and uh you know i haven't 
obviously listen to U12 with its dongle. I don't even know if there's a dongle in the box. Not I think of it. Uh, I didn't yeah, look. I think there is. I don't. I don't remember. Actually. Oops. I guess I left the box <laughs> at my other place. That's the other thing. Like I haven't. Uh, like I tried the Usonic buds last year. I think with the U11, and I don't think they've said they've improved it in any way or form. So I haven't truly bothered to check it out yet, but I will. And uh, I I just wasn't impressed last year. So Neither was I, but I think some people are going to love it because it's got built-in noise reduction and you can adjust to your hearing profile, which I think is a very uh, valid thing. It's just to me, it is such a subtle difference that I really didn't think it was really worth my while. And the noise reduction feature, honestly, my in-ear monitors that I stuck in my ear canals that are like earplugs with built-in drivers <laughs> attenuate audio way better than any active noise reduction ever would without coloring the sound whatsoever. So that's the camp I'm on. Um, speaking of the latest... Um, uh, devices that I've been listening to music with are the Edemotic Research ER4SR, which are the studio reference version of the ER4s. The ER4 is a is a in-ear monitors from Edemotic that have been around for quite a while. Like they kind of started the trend, like before Shure and Ultimate Sound and all these other companies started making things you stick deep in your ear canal that attenuate the outside audio and play music for you, called in-ear monitors. There was Edemotic, Edemotic Research, and the ER4s were kind of like the studio reference for a long time. And they just came out with, a, you know, basically 25 years after the initial, or even 30 years after the initial device, they came out with a new version updated for the modern age. Um, you know, a little more sensitive for portable use, all that stuff. And it's called the ER4SR Studio Reference. And man, these are freaking awesome. Watch my YouTube channel for an unboxing video and some uh, listening thoughts. But, you know, that's kind of how I evaluate things. Either that or my Bayer Dynamic DT990 Pro open, uh, open headphones that I'm wearing right now for the podcast. And you see me wear a lot on my videos when I'm on Twit and stuff. Um, you know, to me, if the phone can't drive those or pass the test of handling those headphones, I'm not interested. It's basically what it comes down to. And the iPhones do fine. The Galaxies generally do fine. Of course, the LGs have no issues. But there are other phones that do have issues. Like, um, you know, most of the mid-cheap, mid-range to cheap phones can't handle driving these properly because there's just not enough juice coming out of the headphone jack. So, you know, I know I'm, mix, I'm sending mixed messages here because on one hand, I'm saying you need a headphone jack, but then I'm saying you need a headphone jack that's worthy. But I guess that's my point. You need a headphone jack that's worthy. And uh, I want to give props to Moto because I've got a G6 review unit. And like the um, Z2 Play last year, in fact, like the entire Z series that have headphone jacks, which is all the Z2, sorry, all the Z Play series, the audio coming out of Moto's G6 is super tight, high quality, much better than what's coming out of the OnePlus 6 or Galaxy or iPhone. Not as good as the LGs, but I'm um, really impressed that Motorola and a phone that costs $250 has that high quality audio out of the headphone jack. It's not loud enough to drive my headphones for like outdoor use or anything, but that's 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 you know neither here nor there because the the bears that I'm wearing are not meant to be worn outside, but it's fine for my edematic, so that's good news. Sorry, we just totally tangented. This is the word that I use: tangented, tangenting. <laughs> um, that's what the podcast is about, Julian. Um, so yeah, I mean audio. I I mean yeah, it's it's I I kind of wish I had put a headphone jack on that phone. That's all. 
Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's still like I think there was an outline piece that's been shared a lot recently about uh, Apple and the use of dongles. I think it was yesterday or today that I saw it going around. And I mean, it's clear that a lot of people still miss uh, the just the ease of just plugging in a headphone jack. And uh, I'm I'm sort of in the camp that uh, I I don't mind the lack of a headphone jack anymore. Initially, I did, but now I have. Just some normal. I'm I currently I'm using the OnePlus Bullets uh, wireless earbuds. Yeah. I think they're fine. What do you fine. think of them? Yeah, they're they're fine. I think for seventy dollars they're pretty good. Uh, they strangely don't support AptX HD. They support just AptX. Uh, but I think you know for the price, for how they feel and how they work, and some of the features that they have, I think they're a pretty good deal. So I think far. for the price, they're really good. I, I, I they don't meet my sound quality requirements. Uh, my primary concern with them is that they don't have enough detail on the high and mid end. So they're they're they have good they have good bass. I think for not overly like overpowering bass which is a common problem today well, i think there's an entire generation of people growing up they have no idea what real bass sounds like they all they listen to all day is exaggerated bass and they don't know <laughs> and it's crazy to me but hey uh so they sound decent to me except they kind of lose they they fall off a bit at the high end they, they don't have enough of a of a of a clear and and detailed high end to me but for 69 dollars like come on exactly, yeah. also and the other thing great. is they're wireless and they're good wireless like yeah you have you have Aptex, not HD, as you mentioned, but the connection is strong. Like, you know, yes. one of the biggest problem with these, uh, you know, wireless around the neck headphones typically is that I find that I lose signal. Like, you know, even if with the phone in my pocket half the time, I don't know if that's a problem with you as well. Uh, I haven't used enough, I think, to, to I do remember when I used the Pixel Buds, those were definitely not uh, good at maintaining a, a and that's signal. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's kind of their job, right? You're right, going to be exactly. wireless like... Uh, fix that. I don't know. Um, speaking of, I'm I'm hoping that the Pixel Two, uh, Pixel whatever they are, three. No, not the phone. The buds. The Pixel oh, buds. Oh, the Pixel two buds. Yep, yep. Will remedy some of these issues. I, oh sure. yeah, no. I'm. I think I'm. Uh, that's one of the most exciting things. I think I'm looking forward to later this year is that I'm because I there's a lot I liked about the Pixel buds, like how you access the assistant and how you interact those notifications and things like that. But yeah. I think they really will take the feedback that they heard over the past year. Uh, and and I, I mean, at least I hope. But I, I sort of have faith and I, and I do hope that they deliver with something that's much better. Have faith, my friend. <laughs> um, so talk about the camera because you were starting to and I think that's a really important thing we should talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, so... I've been taking a bunch of photos. Uh, daylight photos, I think, are very strong, and I think that is this phone's like best. The best part of this phone is that it takes amazing daylight photos. Low light, it has a ton of grain, um, but it does manage to take really good low light photos. But I don't think it's up to par as, say, a Galaxy S nine or even a Pixel or a P twenty. Um, I still feel like those phones are like my go-to. Uh -huh. uh, there's still a ton of detail, good, very good color accuracy. Uh, it's just in low light, there, there's almost zero attempt to sort of manage the grain because it is everywhere. And uh, So do you think it's over-noise reducting or is it just not noise reducting? 
I don't think there's any noise reduction because I like, okay. for example, I took a selfie and I, I mean, I was trying to do it where I was near a street lamp. It wasn't completely dark yet, but I took a selfie and I looked at it on my computer later because it looked fine on the phone. But when I, when I looked at it on my computer. But that's the front camera though, right? Like I'm talking yeah, about the no, rear no, no, camera. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, that was an example, but the rear camera is, I see the same thing. It's like, it's okay. very detailed, but when you start going, you know, anything really dark at night, Whereas on the Samsung, apart. on the Samsung, for example, they have that uh, multi-frame reduction where they're reducing a lot of that noise or sort of just blending it so you don't really see it. It's very visible on the U12. And it is some, like I tweeted out a photo, one low light photo, and even someone had already mentioned, hey, one part of this photo just looks really like blurred, but it wasn't blurred. It was just like that grain was just so present that it was sort wow. of hiding the text. It sounds this. to me like they need to, to tweak things still because actually, you know, if it was no, if it was just bad or lack of noise reduction, you just see noise and it would be uniform. You wouldn't get any blurring. Right. You would just get, I think to me, what it sounds like is a combination of poorly implemented noise reduction as in it's selective in the wrong way and probably really poor JPEG uh uh, you know, uh, a compression, right? They probably over over compress the JPEG part, which is where JPEG fails at compressing noise, right? Like, because as you can imagine, it's like feeding it wideband, right? It doesn't work. Right. So, I mean, it's a lossy codec. It's not going to be able to keep the whole thing, yet noise is broad, so it's going to try to keep everything, so it just mushes it away. Um, I'm curious to compare it, and I haven't done this yet, obviously, since I just got the phone, but uh, comparing it to the U11, because the U11, you know, for all its failings, in especially in, in kind of missing the boat on being a, a, a modern-looking phone in its time, um, it, I loved it in every other way. You know, the, you know, lack of headphone jack and sixteen-nine bezel madness, notwithstanding. You know, um, the camera I thought was pretty strong on the U11, um, especially in low light. So it's strange to me that they would miss that and I'm Is wondering it, how much it of though because um, I don't I don't remember so I didn't really use the u11 too much we had uh, another person review it but he said this he said the same almost the same thing that I feel like I was saying with the u12 is that it was really strong in most situations but anytime you really dipped into like dark situations or nighttime photos it just wasn't as good as its competitors like the galaxy s8 at the time or or the pixel or something like that so i i never i i mean I, again i haven't used it myself as much as i feel I like mean, i should you know it's also possible that when i was comparing it at the time this is before the pixel 2 right first of yeah all, yeah right? that was so true let's let's just make things 100 percent clear here. yes but true, when i compared true. it to the galaxy s8 and the lg v uh, v30 at the time was which was out around the same you know later but before the basically before the pixel 2 after the galaxy and compared it to the g6 itself the the previous lg phone um I just felt it it held it, it held you know it held its ground. I think it took a couple of software updates, but I took it to Burning Man to take a lot of my night shots and it 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 did a good job. So okay. I think that um you know I don't think it's a sensor and optics no. problem here. I think it's a software tuning issue because on paper the sensor is really solid, right? OIS, large pixels, what is it, 1.5, 1.4 micron, um f of a 1.7, correct? Yeah. So that should uh, that should work. Um, how's your experience been with uh, the the defocusing the, the the you know the bokeh effect on the front and back? Uh, I gave it a try a couple uh, two days ago. I think uh, I think it's fine. Um, it's not great. 
it's it's like I think the Pixel still does it best. I know uh, it. I, iPhone like... does natural blur. Pixel does like very accurately like identifying those edges really well. Um, because well, the one I took with the the U twelve, it did the it did a good job with the blur, but it still had problems with hair, kind of like how the iPhone has problems with hair. Right. Uh, it just sort of you know didn't get some of those strands, and it ends up. It still looks like a great photo. Uh, it just it's sort of obvious when you when you start noticing the, the mess ups with the hair. So I mean that's the, that's mostly the case with almost every phone except the Pixel. I found uh, the Pixel just does such a good job of identifying those edges on with portrait mode. Right. What's been your experience with uh, the uh, front cameras? Is it worth it to have dual cameras? I I still because I don't think the front camera the the second one is not something you uh, it's a passive camera I think it's not right. like anything you can actively use so I don't know exactly what what it exactly is helping with other than portrait mode I think it's purely portrait mode and you know it's fine again I don't think there's anything crazy here uh, I'll definitely need to do a little more testing because all I did so far was a little a few low light shots and you definitely right. can't do any portrait mode low light at all with either camera so uh well I'm, so. I'm about to head to computex and i'm taking the phone with me i'm gonna set it up while i'm at the airport that's usually a good way to spend my time waste my time at the airport <laughs> so uh, i'll let you guys know next week or the week after um but um you know me and cameras um i'll put it through its paces it'll be in challenging environments um i look i i i'm a little torn by this device you know I mean, it's it's there. It hits a lot of the checkboxes that we are familiar with from an HTC phone, like materials, build quality. Um, you know, it adds some of the features we wanted last year, like dual cameras and uh, and uh, the the eighteen nine display, which in a way, at least the display made its way to the U eleven plus, which we never got. But is this really anything like? I don't know. Like, is it worth it? Like, is is HTC? Does HTC matter? Like, that's my concern. Is it's like, I feel like they're just doing this phone because they want to have a phone, and they're just holding their breath until their VR business takes off. Yeah, I mean that's what I feel like too. Uh, I I don't know because it's it is very expensive. I believe I forget. I think it's uh, eight hundred and fifty. I can't remember. I think it's um, eight hundred eight fifty, depending on the configuration you get. I could be wrong. Yeah, so so I feel like it's very expensive for a phone that you can get a Galaxy S nine at that price, right? Exactly, and and even then, hell, I just get a Pixel two, like not the expensive one. Just get the six hundred and fifty one, and I feel like you might have a vastly better software experience you might get a, a similar camera maybe better on the pixel 2 uh just it's like software is like one of the things it's like fine on the u12 it's just one of those things but i, I just feel like the pixel is better obviously i mean but, it's um, sense it's at least lightweight sense nowadays compared to what yeah. it used to be but Honestly, to me, I don't understand why anybody today does not make a phone that just has, you know, what Moto is doing, what OnePlus is doing, what, what Google is doing. I guess in a way, HTC is there because they're not really skinning it that strongly. You just have that weird... Well, well I just opened my app drawer to sort of... Uh, so I have hidden 13 apps in the app drawer because there's just all this excessive... But this is H HTC's app, right? Because you have an unlocked yeah. phone like me. These are not yeah, no, carried. No, 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 no. These aren't carried. These are HTC's 
apps and they look terrible to me and i feel like they're just they are terrible like i'm also i'm having actually this bug that i have to actually uh, ask htc about because i can't use uh, exchange with gmail on this phone it's the first phone i've ever experienced that issue with so Weird. i've been using htc's email client and it is not a good app at all so i'm probably going to download outlook but uh, it's just there's there's their apps that they have like at this point really like do i have to use htc's messaging app why is that a thing right that is crazy do you do you know that there is a i think there's a thing you need to download from the app store that adds um exchange support to android it might that not used be big to 10. be the case but I, I for every other phone i never had to do it i mean i used to do it like way back when it first announced uh and then I haven't had to do it at all with all these other phones. And yeah. this is the first phone. So maybe I'll check, give that a look if that's I mean, check it out because, you know, it's like Google Cloud Print. It's not on every phone. Yeah. Like you'd sure. think it'd be on every phone, but it's not. Sometimes you have to manually download it. Sometimes they have their own print provider, which is really weird, like HP or some weird something you don't want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, look, I've got mixed feelings. I am excited HTC made another phone. I almost thought this wasn't going to happen. I don't know how you feel about that, because after them losing 2000 engineers to Google, not losing, but trading, giving, whatever, selling. Um, yeah, I, I was thought, like, who, who's left to make right, this Right. I was like, who's happen, left right? to make a phone? I mean, clearly their <laughs> VR business is their core business now. So are they yeah. going to even make a phone? So then they surprise us with this. And I don't want to knock them for it. Great. We've got another choice, another HTC device with all the, as I said, it checks all the HTC boxes. But I just feel like it just, for the money, it's just too little, too late, right? Like, I mean, you know, it does have Snapdragon 845. I think it performs fast enough, right? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, no, no. I haven't like there are no issues, issues with performance from my time no. with it. Um, you know, enough RAM, enough battery. All the stuff is good. The the camera, you know, needs some improvement, but that's not surprising. It needs to be fixed. I'm actually surprised it got the DxO score it got, considering what you're telling me about low light. Uh, but who cares about DxO? I mean, I don't believe anything about it. <laughs> well, because you know, you always have to jump into those reports from DxO because the overall number never really truly represents. Because it could totally be great with stills in daylight, but it could have a terrible score for video. Right. I think the P20 was one of them. Like it has terrible video taking capabilities so you know but it's still high on the list so yeah, it's one and of those the other things thing that you have to just dive in totally and the other thing with the xo i think that's a big issue is that a lot of their tests are heavily on the lab test side right like and that's fine but that's not not, not that's not how people use phones okay yeah. like and i know they're starting to do more so you know uh you know uh real life tests and more yeah, like yeah they are um you know so, you know, subjective ima evaluations now, but I just still feel that DxO doesn't really represent what's going on out there. To me, you know, I think the Pixel 2 XL is still the best phone overall for taking photos, even though personally, as a, you know, kind of amateur photographer, I love all the flexibility the P20 Pro gives me, right? Yeah. But ultimately, if I just want to mash a button and get a good result, I always know it's going to be the uh the pixel 2 that's going to win the race right right yep so yeah i don't know we'll see how it goes yeah i i'm still uh i mean i'm probably going to start working on my review next week but i'm still in the confused or perplexed camp of <laughs> do i, I recommend this phone i like because... you're confused about this phone <laughs> because it's it, it's there's no doubt it's a good phone and whoever gets it will we'll love probably it. be satisfied yeah but do I recommend it knowing all the other phones that are out there that are probably 
more capable. When I was going to say, actually, uh, I'm currently doing that with my... So our G7 review went up uh, like a couple weeks ago, and I'm about to do a an update to the review now that I've gotten and used the final version uh, for a few days, uh, actually a week. And uh, I think at this point, I am not going to, re- to recommend the G7. What is it? The what? Why I'm not recommending? Yeah. So it's the camera. I think um, wide angle is cool. And initially, for my original review, we didn't know the price, and I thought they might price it at six fifty. Yeah, is me what too. We all did. And at six fifty, it would have been exactly. an absolutely no questions asked phone. That's why initially in my review, I had said if it's six fifty, like the G six was perfect. This is a great phone. Go buy it. Whatever. But when they said it was seven fifty, I was like, okay, now I have to reanalyze everything I said because now this puts it in the camp of, well, why not just buy an S9 or why not just buy a Pixel 2 or something like that. So it's the camera that I think really, really, really does fall short because, yeah, wide angle is cool, but it's limited to those certain types of scenes that really benefit from a wide angle camera. And then the only other thing, like, I think AI cam is garbage. It's Honestly, total garbage. I it's I really it. useless. The I don't even know why they bother. Is, the standard camera is fine, and I think a portrait mode is surprisingly good. But Actually, you're right about that. The portrait mode, right? It, yeah. Every time I take a portrait mode, I was mode, surprised I'm always like, oh, because it's the first time we've seen portrait from LG, and they nailed it, guys. They yeah. did. But it's low light that it is atrocious. Like, uh, I think I had compared it with someone else who was using the G7, and I was using the U12 Plus. The U12 Plus's low light photo looked far more detailed. A little grainy, yes, but far more, far better than the G7 because it was the G7 just was completely like blotchy and and blurry and uh, grainy and it just had all the signs that I would expect to see in like a five hundred dollar or like and a you know what phone. this has been the downfall on the G6 and the V30 V30 S as well it, exactly it's, it's the it's, same it's, exact problem and and I want to point something out if you go to manual mode everything changes seriously oh really oh it's insane shoot and in raw on that phone and holy fuck balls it is good. I have shot a whole bunch of low light on the, at least the V30, which I assume the G7 has the same sensor. I haven't specifically tried the G7, but actually there is a photo on my Twitter of a sunset of a boat kind of, you know, on a, a basically a boat sailing towards the sunset and, and the, the sun is right above the boat and it's, it's top notch and I use manual mode. So this is what I've always liked about the LG phones uh, ever since the G4 is that you put them in manual mode and magic happens. Like, right. So, I th- yeah, I mean... And I nobody's going to do that, right? Exactly. I, I get, and, I get and, it. I'm going to go try I that out now and I'm going to see how that works yeah. actually today. Um, but nine times out of the ten, that's never going to be a deciding no, factor. it doesn't for matter for people. Absolutely. Exactly. Most people just want to open the camera and take a photo and uh, that's But it tells me that it's just... A, again, it's a matter of tuning. Like these yep. sensors are good, and honestly, considering LG is using one micron pixel sensors on all their latest phones, the V30, V35, G7, it is incredible how good the low light performance is considering the pixel size. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do with the f1.6 on the main camera. I mean, it, and I mean, in, you know, it's a fast my, lens. In in my very first line in that review, I say it comes. <laughs> very close to being a great phone because i like everything else about it i think boombox is whatever it's like a neat gimmicky thing yeah but 
I love the OLED brightness feature, and I think uh, I love the AI key. I think definitely Google Assistant dedicated button is the way to go. It's just like everything about this phone is good. I think the design is a little bland, but whatever. It's not like a big deal for me. I do like the width of the phone, as you said, and as I said, you know, like to me, I I feel that they made a phone that in terms of ergonomics to hold in hand is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's comfortable to use. It's lightweight. Like I said earlier, it does feel a little cheap on that side because it's not as hefty as, say, U12 Plus, but, you know, I don't really mind it as much. I think I, I love how narrow it is. So there's a lot of things I like about it, but if you're charging 750 and then the camera quality at night when I go out to a restaurant is not going to be as what I can get on any other phone in this price bracket. I, I just can't recommend to someone. And also there's all the other things like software. It's fine, but there are some software perks that I'm not huge fans of. It's not the worst UI scale. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's like okay. A, it's like Samsung. I mean, Samsung's better in some ways because they've, I think they've, taken all the best stuff and kept it and thrown out the yep. bad stuff or at least yep. you can turn off the bad stuff but lg still a little too customizey for me if i had to pick yeah there's, there's a little too much going on there but 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 check the camera settings in manual there is an option to turn on and off noise reduction in manual mode uh, right. at least yeah, there was on the v30 well. i'm not sure about the g7 but on the v30 being able to play with these settings and manually you can leave it in auto manual mode where it detects everything for itself you know what i'm saying like you don't have to actually force anything and in, in, you don't have to use the manual controls but it gives you more options to tweak things um that you should try it because i think it'll, it'll you'll be pleasantly surprised and you'll be able to zoom in really nicely at, at, in low light as well and get some really good results which uh, I've, I've taken some photos of performances where i was in kind of the back row of a concert with a v30 at least where i was like i can't believe i just took this photo you know it's a right, zoomed yeah. photo and it's in low light and it's it came out really well and i was like well, how how the hell did that happen so i think there's a lot in there and again, you know, that does not help people who just smash the camera. I mean, if you want good low light anyway, you're going to buy a P20 because, or the P20 Pro, I mean, because man, low light on the P20 Pro. I mean, as much as I love the the Pixel 2, the, the P20 Pro low light, especially that night mode, is just insane. Yeah, no, that night mode is always like, uh, sort of like a mind blowing thing when I see it in action. It's like, that's just insane that it was all, uh, AIS, as they call it, basically. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. I know. So what are your thoughts on the OnePlus 6? I want to talk a little bit about that before we go into the news items. Uh, I mean, again, Speaking of camera, another win. Where, where uh, do you place the OnePlus 6? Because that's always been the thing about the OnePluses, right? The camera's always been on the weak side. I feel that they actually did it right this time. I mean, it's not like Pixel 2, Galaxy S9 quite yet, but it's definitely up there. It's definitely getting there, in my opinion, and very usable. Yeah, no, uh, I think the camera is perfectly fine because I tried to look at it as, you know, I'm paying extra money on phones like Pixel or Galaxy, and I'm getting a much better camera experience because it's more expensive. But I'm paying $530, and everything about this phone is just like all right on the money camera for me in this price bracket i am totally satisfied with it uh i don't think it really is lacking in any particular thing i just think maybe uh image quality isn't as good as say on other phones but i think i'm you know i i, don't, I haven't really had any have you tried problems. low light because to me i was blown away with low light like i mean not blown away 
compared to some of the best, but for OnePlus, I felt they did low light right finally. Like, and I think a lot of that has to be has to be bringing OIS back, right? Uh, because without optical yes. stabilization, which they skipped for the last two phones, five and five T, you're stuck. There's nothing you can do unless you're Huawei. Um, but I yeah. I feel like it's so it you know what's funny actually work in low light. We had a camera comparison go up. About a week ago, or maybe less than that, it was uh, comparing the OnePlus 6, 5T, 5, and 3T cameras. Oh, interesting. The 6 and the 3T were very similar, (laughs) funny enough, and the 5 and the 5T were very similar, which makes sense hardware-wise. But 3T actually ended up winning more categories than either the 5 or the 5T did. You know, at the time, I kept saying that the... The camera on the 3T was well sorted, and people were like, "Nah, it's a OnePlus, man." And I'm like, "No, guys, seriously, it's it's manageable. It's okay. It's not. It's still not wasn't quite as good as the competition at the time. But I mean, it's received a lot of software updates too, and I haven't used it in two years, so I don't know. But I feel like the six is finally a phone from OnePlus where I don't feel like I'm losing out on anything, which is wow, like really wow." Okay. I mean, maybe and waterproofing, it, but eh, it's supposedly I mean, pretty water resistant according to teardowns. The problem is that for me, every time I see another phone these days that is around the same price range as the OnePlus 6, I always just immediately, and it doesn't say have like a Snapdragon 845 or it doesn't have some of the design or features as like the OnePlus 6 does. I just can't. I, it's so hard for me to recommend anything else other than the OnePlus 6 in this price range because, you know, at that price point, like, why would you spend all this money for this phone that is definitely going to be slower, doesn't look as good, you know, it doesn't have as good of a camera, things like that. So the OnePlus 6 is easily a winner, not just among the phones that are priced $500, but even, you know, competing with higher end, it's able to match a lot of the flagships. Maybe, again, not with the camera, but with everything else, for sure, hands down. Well, honestly, if you're looking at, say, a G7 versus a OnePlus 6, I mean... Get the OnePlus 6. Get the one... Yeah, right? I mean, unless you want the audio. That that G6 still wins... Sorry, G7 still wins on the audio. If you were listening to music with headphones, it's still better. But right. that's but a small wise, reason, you know, right? For 100 exactly. bucks, I mean... Yeah, well, it'd be it'd be uh, a hundred and well, more than hundred, right? Because you yeah, have like to because there's only four something. gigs of RAM on the G7, right? Exactly. So no, you'd have uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah so you'd have to compare the the 529 version with the 750 dollar phone. That's two hundred dollar difference. Exactly. So yeah, there you have it. So, but I mean, in terms of design, I feel like OnePlus is really mat- uh, mature. They they kind of combine some of the things I loved about the OnePlus three design, which really gave them a personality at the time, and um, some of the ergonomics and softness, which I felt in design was was a step back, but ergonomically was a step forward with the five series, and you got both of them kind of melded in the six, and I feel that. It feels really premium. It looks really premium. It finally seems to be able to com- you know compete with the big boys on design and materials, which again for at least two hundred dollars less, right? Yep. No, I totally agree. It. Uh, I mean, ev- it's just hard to not recommend that phone almost in every single way if if you're someone that is budget conscious, you know. I mean, performance wise has never been an issue with OnePlus, so you can win nope. there, and you're going to get more RAM than everyone else for the price anyway. And battery life is pretty good. So, I don't know. I think 
I think we have a lot of good choices right now. This year, every year I say that, oh man, you know, there's very little you can buy that's bad right now, but that's why we're having to be super nitpicky, like talking exactly. about the, yeah. the lack of hardware buttons on the U12 Plus and talking about the low light performance of the G7 camera in full auto and exactly. talking about the audio quality on the OnePlus 6 headphone jack, which as I said, is fine, but eh. Exactly. Like you a know? lot of these things that we nitpick are like fine for the average user, but there's a reason we nitpick because that's how you really do distinguish what is truly better for your money. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to tell people, spend your money on this because of these X reasons. Exactly. Wow. Well, we have certainly covered the crap out of the uh, U plus, uh, U12 plus <laughs> and the, uh, a little bit more than I expect on the G7, which is frankly fantastic. Um, and then the OnePlus 6, and we all agree that they are decent phones with their strengths and weaknesses. And uh, that brings us to the news, I think. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to just run by you quickly. Let's start with something that you were directly involved with, the that's going to confuse everybody because we just talked about the G7. It's the V35 ThinQ from LG, which is essentially a V30 physically with uh, the guts of a G7. Wouldn't I say that correct? Yes and no, because I feel like it's better to just say... What are the differences? So, so it's exactly the same as the V30. It has a Snapdragon 845. So it's a better uh, chip. If, well, okay. If, if anything, it's actually better to say it's exactly the same as the V30S Thank You, if you remember that phone that came out at MWC. But that, that only it, had an 835. It had it. So yeah, it, it it does change the 845, but that one had 6 gigs of RAM and this oh, one right, has right, right. gigs of RAM. The V30 had 4 gigs of RAM. Uh, the only other thing that's different is that it has the AI cam and the Thank You stuff, but also exact same camera as the g7 but that's the camera is just about the only thing it shares with the g7 it doesn't have the boom box feature it doesn't have okay. that super lcd thing so it's just the I exact heard it's same a different oled screen than the v30 is that right uh i i, I they haven't really given me a lot of details because the person i was talking to i don't think was fully knowledgeable about all that did you get this details. from at&t or lg by the way I got it from LG, but I think it was a PR agency that LG was working for, so no actual, you know, right. uh, access to engineers from LG. But uh, I don't think I've seen any of the problems I thought people had with the original V30 display. To be honest, I don't think I had as many issues with the V30 display that other people had. Neither did I, to be frank. Yeah, so I think the screen... So for the V35, I am baffled that they're releasing it uh mostly because i have no idea why it's nine hundred dollars uh holy crap yeah it's nine hundred dollars in project fi it is nine hundred dollars on at&t which are the only two places that you can get it uh it just doesn't make any sense because the v30 came out at 800 but you would think that say if the v40 came out later this year it's not going to start at 900 right why would it because it's it really is just adding those bumped up processor and specs. No new features that we haven't seen before. It's that's purely... insane. Why would you buy that when you can buy a G7 for seven fifty? Well, exactly. not from AT and T, I guess, but whatever. Buy well, the exactly, unlocked sure. version. Wait, is there an unlocked well, no. version of the so G7 exactly, in the US? There, there, there is an actual. Well, so they haven't announced an unlocked for either V35 or G7 so far. G7 you can buy on Sprint, T-Mobile, at Verizon. V30 you. V35 you can buy at AT&T AT and Project Fi. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be an unlocked one. Ah, screw it. I would import it at this point. Whatever. 
But it just, it just doesn't like you. There's no reason, again, going back to it's the camera that is going to be the biggest downfall of this in this price bracket in that just import a p20 pro at that point right <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, if you're gonna spend that kind of money that's ridiculous 900 anyway i don't want to dwell on this too much but it, it's nice to hear your take i know you i will post uh, the link to your story you uh, did a hands-on uh, so I you mean, guys can it's find also... out more information there i just want to go through some of these items because some of them are interesting let's talk about the xiaomi mi 8 which basically looks like a complete iphone 10 ripoff i know we say that often but i think in this case in typical Xiaomi fashion, wow, talk about a ripoff. I mean, I'm not surprised. I feel like Xiaomi has often done something like that. I mean, yeah, they've had their own designs and things that stand out. But uh, I'm honestly, like, especially after going through MWC and seeing all these, like, iPhone lookalikes, it just doesn't surprise me too much anymore. Uh, yeah, it looks like an iPhone, and they're just not ashamed of it. I know, but I mean, like, you know, they they do this. I mean, Xiaomi does this often, as I said. It's, it's just, this is so blatant to me. It's like, wow. I mean, like, they didn't even try, it seems. And, but th what's interesting, and this is why I want to talk about this, really. There's only one reason. I don't really care about the phone that much. It's what I expect from Xiaomi. Lots of features, good price, you know, copycat design. But it's the 3D face scan feature basically it's this seems to be potentially the first android phone in the world that actually does proper face identification or face uh biometrics for unlocking so it'll be interesting to see of course you know there is probably going to be a version for of this phone probably in india that has uh google play services and it'll be really interesting to see if it supports google um pay with face id kind of like the iPhone supports and uh, Apple Pay with uh, Face ID, right? Yeah. So, well, that was what I was going to ask. Is uh, really doesn't matter if this is good for security because doesn't it require quite a level of integration with Google to have uh, sort of a system wide support for Face well, ID being? If used? it appears as a fingerprint reader, basically, but instead it's a you know if it's a it's a hardware based, oh, right? right? Okay, gotcha. So it registers uh, yeah, itself I mean, then the same it, way. If it can do that, then uh, that, that would be, be the great first, because, right? Because it's kind of crazy that we still haven't, you know, at least even from Samsung, been able to. Actually, use... I thought it'd be Huawei first. To be honest with you, they'd been talking about doing face unlock uh, for a while now. They'd shown at at CES if you were at the Honor press conference. Yeah. They showed something on the screen briefly that looked like a sensor that's basically like a Kinect in the front of a phone, and then they never mentioned anything about it ever again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still always just sort of embarrassing whenever you hear, oh, we have face unlock, and then they say right next line, they're like, but it's meant for, you know... Uh, ease of use or convenience as opposed to security. It's just kind of sad that it has, really, Apple has beaten everyone to the punch in a, in a drastic way about just having that extra level of biometric security that the that Face ID does provide. And, and I mean, obviously, we sort of knew eventually it would come to make its way to Android. I'm a little surprised it has taken a few more months than I thought it would. I thought we'd see a few phones, at least at MWC, that would have something a little better than what we've seen so far. But um, I mean, I'll have to test out the Mi 8 and see uh, how that works. Yeah, I think the first phone that'll really do it right might be the Pixel 3, to be honest. 
if if they have the notch with the Pixel Two XL, I, I do hope that they do place an emphasis on uh, not just you know throwing in a, a front facing camera and an earpiece in there, but also making that front facing camera because you know there's they're also doing a, this clear push for AR core and people love Snapchat filters. I think if they can do some kind of better integration with AR core and the face front facing camera, uh, that might be definitely oh, yeah. I mean, useful. That's- going to be a requirement for sure. Yeah. So Qualcomm launched a Snapdragon processor, the XR1, that's dedicated to AR and VR. Thoughts? Uh, if I recall, um, the Mirage Solo was using the Snapdragon 835, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So, I mean, always I feel like there's there's not a lot of information from that XR1 story that true it's uh, more like was, this is what we're doing and I'm like duh I, of course you're gonna make a custom chip you, you know, know the only thing I'm afraid of is like I just hope they don't abandon it like they sort of did with uh, the Wear 2100 oh, chip ones, yeah. which finally they're now making another chip for later this year but uh, I mean, it always makes sense to have a custom chip for a custom applications rather than just reusing something with, say, meant for a phone, for example. So I mean, you know, uh, the next thing we know, I mean, if they go at this rate, they've done one for wearables. They've done one, for, of course, they've done the ones for the for the phones, and they have all kinds of tiers. They've got now one for AR and VR. I wouldn't be surprised if they make one for PCs at some point. You know, because well, why that not? Was actually, uh, there was news this morning. I think it was the Snapdragon 850 is going to be meant for uh, laptops and tablets, uh, mostly, I think, low-power laptops, but it was going to be for laptops and, and tablets. So uh, I think they're definitely doing is that. that. Is that real or is that a rumor? No, uh, I don't remember. I do remember seeing something about it. I don't. I didn't read much into it to see if it was rumor or uh, official news, but I do remember last year uh, when they had that big press junket going to Hawaii, I was uh, there. I'm yeah, pretty sure you they were had there. a lot of. No, I wasn't there. Oh, you I didn't go. I thought you no, were there. No, they sent out someone else. Ah. But uh, they, they had rumblings of using the 845 for Chromebooks or some other type of laptop devices. I think so. Well, that's what I'm uh, saying. Like it's it's gonna have to happen. So maybe exactly. that's what it is. But we'll see. I mean, Computex is coming up, right? Hey, <laughs> that wouldn't that be the <laughs> best place to make an announcement? Yep. Um, Anyway, uh, so that's cool. Another well, there's really nothing to talk about here other than there's a chip, but there's no devices. Let's find out what happens. Uh, you know, kudos to uh, Qualcomm. They they know how to run their business. I mean, it's all about chips. Let's make more chips. Woohoo! Yep. Uh, <laughs> you love how I simplified that to death. Okay. <laughs> um, Essential is up for sale, and they won't be making another phone. That's a bit uh, old because he dropped right at the end of when I recorded my last podcast. But what what is what is your take on that? So I don't know because uh, the way – so when I reached out, they gave me the same response that Andy Rubin tweeted out. Uh, basically, like, you know, they're going to continue. They do do some – evaluate the products they're working on and they – do still plan on doing yeah, the PR and, answer, yeah. and home uh, products. So, so sure. Uh, I think the rumor was that they definitely did cancel the essential phone too. Who knows? Maybe um, I'm a little disappointed if that's the case, because Me I would have liked for them to capture the $500 market and create some competition between the one plus six. Yeah. Um, but cause, cause honestly, if what it sounds like they're working on building their smart home product, I don't really think that's going to be a good idea for them. I, I don't know if anyone's going to care. I feel like 
Even well, they might like, have a they might have a trick up their sleeve that nobody else has. Who knows? You know, right, I mean, that's the right, thing. And exactly. You know, I believe there's potential for great innovation from Andy and his team. I just feel like I'm bummed as a phone person because I like yes. the essential with all of its flaws. I like the essential. I thought it was cool, and I wanted to see a second gen that fixed some of the things and improved and refined and learned and blah blah blah. And right. I feel the same way as you. I think it's it's a bummer. But, you know, the whole home thing, it just, it's such a, like, it's not a crowded market, but at the same it time, it's a, a crowded very, market. <laughs> well, it's, it's a crowded market in that, in terms of smart home products and assistants you talk to, there really are only three major ones, right? There are, and even then, Siri isn't as up to, say, uh, isn't as popular as, say, Google Assistant or Alexa, obviously, but... I don't exactly know the angle they were taking with it, so I've, I can't really talk about it. But it sounds like something that just seems way too difficult for them to suddenly enter the market with uh, essential home is what they're going to call it, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't I, I don't know. It just seems like something that's maybe too much of a risk, especially considering their flagship product now is not really going to have a follow up. So uh just for the average public, I think there's, they're not even a brand that's in their mind. They people don't really know who Andrew Rubin is in terms of again mainstream audience. So I, I don't know. There's just a lot that is very on the fence about what they're doing. If it's not a phone, uh, I feel like having at least a phone presence would help their other businesses. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, they're not going to come out with the home product rumored until. 2019 so it might just be a while until we hear from them next yeah i don't i mean we'll see i think it's wait and see and bummer basically yep. is my yep. take wait and see comma bummer <laughs> that's my headline um speaking of phones since all we are talking about today really which is great um i want to talk about some cheap phones well cheaper ish um it looks like alcatel is beating zte to the android go release uh, as you know, Alcatel One X was officially made official, uh, launching whenever next week, and uh, it is a very cheap phone, hundred bucks, Android Go phone, and um, you know ZTE had announced an Android Go phone, but as you know, ZTE is kind of dead in the water right now. So it's funny that I think Alcatel won this one in the sense of they're going to be first out with an Android Go phone in the U.S. Of course, there's also Nokia, but we're not going to see that one probably. If we do, it's not going to be right away. Hang on. Actually, I'm pretty sure the Tempo Go became available about a month ago. Yeah, yeah but it I never – no, no, but it, it's never available. If you look, it, 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 was, oh, it's out it, of it stock, came out. It, says, yeah. it was supposed to be available, but it's been permanently out of stock. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I officially for sure <laughs> that he – Yeah, I know, guess it is going to be the But Alcatel like in terms Go of buying an Android Go phone, Alcatel wins. Yep. Yes. So uh, I'm going to get one and I'll let you know what I think. Uh, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, speaking of, I did receive an Alcatel 3V review unit, which I sadly won't have time to play with until after Computex at this point. But it is in my bag of tricks and I'll play with it and let you know what I think. I did an unboxing. Check out my video. Um, not bad for we, 150 we, bucks. Did we, you have we just, one? We just posted a review of it oh. like a week ago, I think. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll link to it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Because, you know, I mean, that way you'll uh, get the lowdown from Julian and his team and you'll get the unboxing from me. Woohoo. Um, and speaking of cheaper-ish, steepish phone, uh, the Nokia 
is 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 you know released or announced uh, specs and release dates for the three phones, the two and the three and the five, which are the 2018 edition of these phones, which is 2.1, 3.1, 5.1. As you know, there's a 6.1. But strangely, there's a 7 Plus, not a 7.1. <laughs> um, but the 6 and the 7 were done at MWC. So these are kind of new. And we probably won't see them in the US, which is a real bummer. Only the 2.1 has a Qualcomm chipset, and it's really low end. That uh, one's under a Go, yeah. Is it Android Go, the 2.1? Yeah, the 2.1 oh. was under a Go. I thought it was. Wasn't there a Nokia 1? That's on Android Go, or was that no? I'm yeah, the the Nokia one is also Android Go, but so that was many. the first one they announced at MWC, and the two point one is going to be the next Android Go. And then Go, there's a three point one, a five point one. The three point one is interesting because it's a small phone, like physically. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and they're I like all small generally phones. interesting. Yeah, of course they are. And you know what? I did when when they the PR folks. I had the briefing for this under embargo, and I told them, folks, this is all nice, but you gotta send me the phones, right? Like, yeah, I know. I know you're European PR and you have your US PR people, and but they have not sent me anything. And the only thing I've managed to get so far is a uh, thirty-three ten or th whatever the. You know the the retro phone from last year, right? And that's all I've gotten, and I was I was after begging a lot. Um, so we we have the benefit of having a guy in the UK, yeah, so he's been reviewing a lot of their stuff. But we we in the US were finally able to get the Nokia six point one. I know, but you know, see, for me, even that they didn't offer me a review unit. It's like it's like I'm like, come on, guys! I used to cover extensively Nokia in the mid two thousands when I started blogging. Why are you sending me the stuff from time to time? Do I have to like dig and beg? I've got too many phones already. Jesus. <laughs> so just to clarify on the US availability, I, the 5.1 is not coming, but the 2.1 is actually coming oh, the uh, in the US in September, $120. I don't well, know about the 3.1 So yet, maybe but. that uh, there's going to be some choices. Maybe ZTE will be back in business uh, by then and we'll be, uh, uh, I mean, that's we'll what see. the rumors we'll are. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so we've covered almost everything. There's one more thing I want to kind of mention really quickly. Um, you know, this show wouldn't be complete with weird fringe products from time to time. And I get stuff sent all the time that's kind of crazy. And I don't necessarily do videos of everything that I get because I don't have time. But sometimes I get something that kind of makes me scratch my head. And it's kind of good but bad. So I had to kind of mention it. Um, this company called Norsher, um, N-O-R-S-H-I-R-E, sent me this thing, which is a car washer jump starter battery pack thing. And uh, I tried it out because, you know, why not? I got to wash my car sometime. And, uh, and the verdict is that I don't think it's going to replace your pressure washer near your house that you can pay and put coins in or, you know, takes credit cards, which I think is definitely the best way to pressure wash and clean your car thoroughly if you do it, if you DIY it. It's also not going to replace your, your hose in your driveway if you have a, a strong enough water pressure and, and, and a proper adapter for uh, getting some more pressure out of your hose. But if you are, say, mountain biking and you want to put the mountain bikes on the, on the rack in the back of the car or put the, if you have, you know, you dirt bike and you want to put the motorcycles in the bed of your pickup and they're really filthy like dripping muddy filthy this thing is battery powered only requires basically a bucket of water or like a five gallon water container and can pressure wash multiple times multiple buckets worth uh, on its battery power and it's not high pressure so it's basically more a rinse down but I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, I'm a car person. And um, more importantly, it does jump starting too, like a lot of these, because it's got a big lithium-ion battery in there, so you can jump start your car a few times. It has two USB ports, so you can charge, you know, like probably 
100 times your phone because I think the battery is like something like 15,000 milliamp hour or some huge amount, probably even bigger than that. But anyway, I'll link to the Indiegogo campaign in my in my show notes because if you're a car person who wants some kind of wonky accessory that is mobile related because you can charge your phones on it um check it out it's uh, a little cheaply made it's kind of you know very very chinese shenzhen special but it does a job and uh i don't think it's going to replace you washing your car yourself in the proper with the proper equipment but for rinsing stuff down in a place where you don't have access to power and you just have like water like a creek or something this is this is awesome so that's kind of why i'm mention it are you uh are you a car person do you i mean you're a new yorker so it's tough to be a car person in new york but yeah not so much i mean i had a car back when i was in jersey and uh did drive to my old job but uh, haven't really driven in like two to three years now so so this wouldn't matter so much. too much to you would no, it? no 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 well, have you have you i don't know if you you saw you clicked on the link at all and i did busy did, what looks, did you think does it look it looks, as janky as i described it <laughs> yep it looks like a completely bizarre product and something you not ex- not unsurprising to see on indiegogo to be honest totally it's a totally indiegogo thing um it does it, one of the things i thought was cool was it's the right shape to fit inside your spare wheel donut if you have a one of those oh, spare wheels i think you know if you it will fit inside the hub uh, probably in most cars. Um, again, most cars probably don't even have a spare anymore. Well, anyway, that was a good show. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, Julian, on the internets? Sure. Uh, you can always uh, check out digitaltrends.com, but of course you can check out my silly tweets at, uh, at Julian Chikatu, uh on Twitter. That's where I'm probably the most active. And uh, yeah. Any any Instagrams or uh, Facebooks or anything that people should follow you on? If you see, I have the I have the blessing of having uh, a very unique last name. So if you just search for my last name and my first name, you, you're guaranteed to find all of my my things so might not be a good thing but well whatever i mean look digital trends has some really good coverage on phones if you know it's not maybe not the first name that comes to mind when you think of phones but i encourage you to check it out i like to read julian's uh, stories they're great uh and most recently u12 plus hands-on um so i'll have all that linked in the notes um and I want to thank quickly our podcast sponsor, that's audible.com. If you love audiobooks and maybe you commute or fly or whatever, and you have an opportunity to uh, listen to books, but you might not be able to read them, uh, this is a great way to get your, your bookworm on. So uh, go check out Audible. And if you do click on the link that will be in the show notes, you'll support the podcast. Um, you won't get a special discount, but you'll be able to join Audible while supporting the podcast. And so the link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Uh, you guys know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character without the vowels. That's also my Instagram. And you can find my YouTube videos on youtube.com slash Miriam Joir. That's my full name spelt out with a Y, Miriam. Uh, and you'll find videos that complement this podcast. Uh, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, help me out. Um, this is just more like reference material for this podcast, Mobile Tech Podcast com is where you'll find the show we're on overcast we're on uh itunes we're on pocket casts uh, search for mobile tech podcast or tanker tnkgrl or both and you'll find me that way and subscribe please tell your friends uh julian great to have you on thanks so much for the being on the show it was great thanks for having me yeah we'll have you back sometime soon and in the meantime 
Uh, stay tuned for another show next week. Bye, everyone. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.